Before I go any further, I want to focus on our decision-making, especially what we decide outside of awareness, similar to a decision-making that seems to be robotic. As we left infancy and toddlerhood, we began taking over the administration of our unit. We started from total helplessness and began a 180-degree journey of change toward adulthood and responsibility. We began dressing ourselves and developed patterns, not habits, that we followed throughout our lives. For example, by the time we have arrived at the age of double digits, we have well-practiced patterns of which leg goes into the slacks first, or how we hold our eating utensils, or which way we fold our hands and arms, etc. Now, as an adult, 20, 40, or 60 years later, take a moment to see which leg goes in your slacks first. Usually, most people will immediately say left or right. Next, when I ask them to imagine putting the other leg in first, they say that they would have to lean against something, or they might say that they would fall over. In other words, they have been putting the same leg in first for years and doing the opposite is very awkward. Some would even say difficult or hard. Actually, it would take the same amount of energy, so it would not be hard, just awkward. They have been free to put the other leg in first for years, but they never did, hence the awkwardness, which is testimony to the accuracy of their decision-making regarding which leg is first, outside of awareness. If they had made a 5% error rate over the years, they would not think it awkward. I prefer that term, outside of awareness, instead of what most people use, unconscious, which I think of as out of commission. The person is in control, just deciding in autopilot. And what is very important is that the pilot can get out of autopilot and make decisions in awareness, clearly ownership as demonstrated by the previous three implementations. A short example of robotic behavior. In an electric failure at night, we still flip the switch when we enter another dark room. Back to that feeling of awkwardness when simulating in your mind inserting the other leg first. Most people would say it's almost a loss of equilibrium or balance. This is the result of a simulation not an actual outward behavior. You never moved a muscle, yet created the feeling of loss of balance. What this suggests is that we are very robotic in much of our physical behavior and very sensitive to not doing any variation. I suggest that this adherence to our early patterns also applies to our emotional decisions and accounts for the type of language such as you upset me or you make me laugh. Next, I ask, what if we had developed a program in our mind that basically could be described as avoid the awkwardness that would result from changing any emotional patterns? What would that mean if we avoided awkwardness? We would never change. We would never cross the threshold to a new way of thinking and behaving. Remember that I alerted Bert to the accompaniment of change that he was likely to feel a little weird. Having heard this, he was less likely to stop his move into a more useful pattern. 
I might add that I alerted you in the beginning that I was making up everything I am writing. Of course this is the case, since this sentence wasn't there before I made it up. Likewise, when I talk, I make up the sentences, ad-libbing, and then others make up what I said. Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson Calvin is talking with Hobbes. They say the world is a stage, but obviously the play is unrehearsed and everybody is ad-libbing his lines. Maybe that's why it's hard to tell if we're in a tragedy or a farce. We need more special effects and dance numbers. Incidentally, I like what Calvin was ad-libbing about special effects and dance numbers. Bill Watterson points out a philosophy of life that I subscribe to and recommend to you, the reader. This parallels movies where the audience is exposed to the same light and sound, yet there are frequently major differences in how the light and sound are experienced by different individuals. Each person is right in their own mind. There are different versions because of the variety of mindsets or predispositions, as well as different life experiences, different genders, different ages, etc. So far, I have given three examples of implementation and more to come. However, I have lost all the readers who have focused on unconventional ideas and missed the value. Similarly, in my private practice, clients would self-select since no one size fits all. Those that created value continued and those who didn't never showed up again. Once again, I support either decision, because if I were them, that's what I would do. Before going on to another example, I would like to add another cultural story about feelings. We seem to have the mental capacity to split off a conceptual portion of ourselves and make it powerful, or at the wheel. Think about how the previous client, Bert McTemper, thought about his temper. It seemed a separate part that took over, and he was in the back seat. He could easily make a significant change when he realized that he was doing the bad temper. He came in with, my temper has gotten me in a lot of trouble. Clearly a me, not an I. He followed with a sentence, I can't seem to help it. In that powerful sentence, with an I, he seemed to make himself powerless. This is common as in, I couldn't stop myself from eating the whole pizza. I was helpless. I didn't know what I was doing. I lost it, to give a few examples. This is also the case for jealousy as well. My jealousy made me do it. Funky Winkerbean says, Somehow it seems that I can never really find what I truly want. Before I met Lisa, I felt all alone in the world. And now that Lisa is with me, all the time I feel crowded. 